0: If you would uh, turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, my original intention uh, this morning was to uh, preach uh, 9 through 13, but I got encumbered and but we're taken by just the first two verses. So that is what we will get through um, this morning. Our normal practice here at Spring Hills is to systematically work through a book of the Bible. And uh, this is an exception. Uh, as we transition from our study of Mal- Malachi that we finished last week and prepare to take a journey through the book of Acts, we're gonna pause this week and consider one of the most uh, recognized Probably misused and practically speaking neglected uh, sections of a scripture. We're going to concentrate our attention on verses nine and ten of chapter six. And um, this morning, uh, I thought as I was preparing for what we would do on Father's Day, as I said, you know, let us go to the Word of God and speak to our Father in heaven. And so uh, that is why I chose this passage this morning. The section uh, that we are looking at has commonly been referred to as the Lord's Prayer. But as we will uh, unpack this, uh, we'll discover through our time that this should really be more aptly titled the Disciples' Prayer because that is what he's calling disciples to do is to pray. Um, We will begin with prayer over our passage this morning. We'll read the text, and then the bulk of our time, we will be digging down into the text for understanding and application. So let us uh, pray together. Father in heaven, we come to your scripture this morning. We have a desire, Lord, that you would be exalted and enthroned in our hearts and in our lives. We need your grace to enlighten our minds to your kingdom truth, We need grace to inflame our hearts, to love those who you love. We need grace, Father, to move our will in obedience to you, Lord. We pray this morning for all those who are gathered in Christ Jesus this morning throughout our area. We pray for the saints that have gathered at Wapato Valley this morning. May you transform hearts to believe the gospel today. I ask that you would be with Pastor Mike and the leadership there as they look for the leader that you have in mind for their church. I ask, Father, this morning that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear what the Spirit would speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As you are able, would you stand for the reading of God's Word? And this morning, you won't have to stand long. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is God's word. You may be seated. E.M. Bounds writes this. When God's house on earth is a house of prayer, then God's house in heaven is busy. And all potent in its plans and movements. Then his earthly uh, armies are clothed with the triumphs and the spoils of victory and his enemies are defeated on every hand. God conditions the very life and prosperity of his cause on prayer. Ask of me is the one condition that God puts in the very advance of his cause. And the point is that Kingdom people pray. It's not should you pray. It is a given as we look at this text that kingdom of God, people pray. So to advance God's kingdom cause, kingdom people are to pray. Our text comes to us as Jesus answers Perhaps one of the most important questions that a disciple could ever ask of the Lord, I think. Lord, teach us to pray. In Luke's gospel, that is the question they ask. Lord, how should we pray? If the advance of the kingdom reality comes through the prayers of kingdom people, we should ask ourselves, how then should we pray? How should we pray? So, before we really dive into answering that question this morning, I want to um, ask and pose a couple of questions to the church that gathers here at Spring Hill to consider. What spiritual discipline would you say is the most neglected in your own life? What area would you say that you need the most improvement in? How many among us would honestly say this? I think I should probably spend a little less time praying. I have yet to encounter a brother or a sister in the Lord who doesn't find their prayer life lacking. I've yet, I haven't run into one yet who when we talk about prayer, when we consider prayer and what it's like, and when we consider what our prayer lives are like, I have yet to meet one. I've yet to meet a brother or sister who says, you know, I've got the prayer thing down. I could really actually probably prioritize something else because I pray too much. I've never once, ever once heard that. And I wonder, why is that? I think it's because the standard for the frequency of prayer is high. The standard is quite high for how, how often we ought to pray. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and 18 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It is the will of God that kingdom people be people of prayer. The kingdom reality becomes evident to the kingdom people of God as they pray. Do you want the kingdom of God to be evident in your life? I know I do. And I know that as I talk to many people, we complain a lot about the kingdoms of the world. We know what we are, we are against. We seldom talk about what we're for. What are we for? if we are for the kingdom of God and its advancement and God's cause here on earth, would it be people who pray, ask of me and it will be given unto you. Ask of me and it will be given unto you. See, God's kingdom cause is tightly connected to His kingdom people praying. Well, let's let the Word of God answer the question for us. How then should we pray? Our Father. I'm going to pause there. Our Father. For the kingdom to be realized, you and I must first pray according to who we are and whose we are. John one 12 through 12-13 says this, To all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. As you pray for the kingdom to be realized, you realize that the light of Jesus Christ has shone brightly upon your soul. And having received Christ sent from heaven, you have received him as he is the king of kings who rules the hearts of men. And now you are a child of God by grace. Come to the Father, to the one who sent him, the one who adopted you as a son or a daughter in eternity past. When you come, see, when you come and say, Our Father, when you pray, come boldly to the throne of grace, robed in the reality of who you are. Who have you become in Christ Jesus? You have become a child of God. You are a child of God. Not everyone can pray this prayer, can they? Not everyone, illegitimate children cannot come to God and say, our Father. But you, having been transformed by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, are a legitimate child of God, adopted into the family. And so when you pray, He's telling them, He's telling the disciples here, how do you pray? Know who you are. Know who you are. And know who He is. Know who you are. Know who He is. I think one of the reasons that we don't pray as we ought is that we easily forget who we are. We easily forget to whom we belong. Jesus answers the question, how are we to pray? And He reminds them that the one to whom they are praying to has always desired to be a father to them. That has always been the relationship he had with Israel, wasn't it? I will be a father to them. I will be a father to them. The one to whom you ask, how do we pray? He is your father. We are the adopted children of the father. That means adopted children are really special, aren't they? Adopted children are special. I think, I think about my little Bubba. It's not like he's an adopted child to me, but he is a child that God, for some reason, has stirred in my life and in my wife's life that we just want to love him. We just want to. I just chose, I just choose to love him. Amazingly, he chooses to love us back. Right? But that's the response, right? Is that, that's a response in our relationship with the Lord, isn't it? He chooses to love us. And we're blown away by that. I hope that you are blown away by the fact that the holy God of the universe, the one who is pure and perfect always, chose to love you. And he chose so much to love you that he said, you know what? My son's life is worth you. I love you. I'm sending him to rescue you because I want to Place my love upon you. You belong to him. He loves you. And the response is, our father in prayer. We respond to him in prayer. Well, his kingdom people live in the reality that God is a father to them. And we understand this, that he has incorporated us into his family. Two aspects of prayer that Timothy Keller writes about. In a very great book. You know, there's probably a million books written on prayer.
1: I think the reason why there's
0: so many books written on prayer is because so little people do it. And people do it so, so very little and they don't really understand it. So there's, there's a ton of books written. This, uh, but Tim, Timothy Keller's book is one of my favorites. It is Awe and Intimacy with God is the subtitle of that book. And think about that. Awe. And intimacy with the Father. And he writes about this. And these, these things are really but two sides of the same coin, aren't they? They, they both exist simultaneously as we pray. Our Father in heaven. We come to the throne of God in prayer, seeking intimacy with God we come as disciples of Jesus Christ to God as a child comes to the lap of their dad as a child comes to the lap of their dad and he comes and he sits on the, uh, the and the child sits on your lap what are they seeking intimacy love comfort connection but they know that that is dad and dad is serious dad's a serious dude right and and dad can can at times be very Forceful in his correction. He's a serious, serious guy. I was, the other day, it's not often that I have to put my fatherly hand to the backside of one of my children. And especially kind of after they get to about five or six years old, that's kind of not the way discipline tends to work. But when they're younger than that, that sometimes is the best way to communicate your love is to communicate it to their backside with your hand. And so the the little one was defying mom over and over again. And I picked him up. And you know, this couldn't hurt a, a fly. I sit him on the couch next to me. Don't move. Don't talk. Don't get up. Just sit there. So he does. And we sit in silence for a couple of seconds. Next thing you know, his little heart is destroyed. I can see it. (laughs) You know that kind of crying, right? His little heart is destroyed. And then he creeps from the couch to my lap. Da-da. And then he signs sorry. And what he wanted was intimacy. Intimacy. He thought that the swat on the bottom had broken it. He was in awe <laughs> of the swat. But he got both. He had awe and intimacy, right? He had comfort at the same time from the same one. And that is the idea. As we go to prayer with seeking God in intimacy, we come away with awe. We come away with awe. The child of God comes to the Father in awe. Because awe, why? Because He is the God of heaven. He is the God of heaven. He is the creator God who is other. He is the creator God who is all-powerful. He is the creator God who is all-knowing. He is the God who is ever-present. He is the God to whom we come in awe of His mercy and His grace. And we... Know this, that when we come to God in prayer, He is God and we are not. He is the God of heaven. He is the ruler far above any earthly ruler or authority. He is the God of heaven. And He is also the Father that is at the exact same time the omnibenevolent lover of your soul. So prayer is about awe and intimacy with God. I wonder why we neglect it. I wonder why it is so neglected. And think about where God is in heaven. Why would we not go there for our prayers and our concerns? You might turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. You know, I have to turn there if you want. I'm only going to read one verse in in verse 3 of Ephesians 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ Jesus with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Do you want the blessing of God? Pray. It's pretty simple. That's where they are stored. The treasures of God's blessings are stored in heaven in Christ Jesus. And as we open and think about this prayer, our Father who is in heaven. That's where our petitions must go. Seeking awe and intimacy with God, we go to the omnibenevolent lover of our soul, knowing that he is the all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present God. And this leads us to think about, I would like you to think about, the, the God's supreme purpose in prayer. What is the supreme purpose In prayer, I would guess that we might think it is to ask of the Father in heaven for his abundant spiritual blessings that he has in heaven. It's not first. It is not first. Primary prayer, God has a supreme purpose for prayer. Let's look at verse 9 again. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. The ultimate purpose of prayer is not you, but Him. As we come in prayer, the motivation is Him. The ultimate purpose and intention of our prayers must at first and always be pregnant with the purpose of God. The purpose that is above all other purposes in prayer is the glory of God. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's the posture of prayer. How do you pray? You pray for the glory of God. You pray to the glory of God, for his glory and to his glory. That is the motivation. It's not about you. Prayer is not about you. Prayer is about Him and about His ultimate purpose, His glory. That is the purpose above all other purposes. Our primary motivation in prayer as kingdom kids is to come to our Father in heaven to glorify Him. Someone has said that Christians, uh, many Christians offer prayers like sailors use their pumps only when the ship leaks. And so oftentimes when we come to prayer, it's only about what is leaking out of my life. What am I suffering? Since I am suffering, I come to the Father because I know that's where healing and comfort come from. I know that. But my motivation is me. And when Jesus teaches them to pray, He teaches them, your motivation is your Father in heaven's glory. That's the motivation. Our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. We will always pray amiss. We will always pray, uh, give prayer that is like less than worthy. We'll be lazy and lackadaisical when we're not motivated to glory in God as the priority of our life. John Piper writes this, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. God is glorified in us when His glory is the purpose of our lives, when His glory is the purpose of our prayers. In Matthew's Gospel, Jesus teaches them uh, in chapter 6, verses 5 and 6, He says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. You see, this model prayer is there's nothing magical in the words themselves. You know, as some of our uh, Catholic friends may think that saying these words is prayer. It's more than that. It's what Jesus is getting at here. What is the motivation for prayer? Is the glory of God. Prayer is about God's glory. It's not about Jesus says to these disciples that you would be seen by men as greatly spiritual. It's not something you do so you can be seen as somebody who is spiritual. Oh, brother, let's pray. You've probably run into folks who are like that, right? Oh, brother, let's pray. Because they want to be seen as someone who is more spiritual. It's not about your posture either. It's not about eloquent speech When Jesus pray says, pray, Jesus basically says this, glorify God as his children. Pray according to his purpose, his glory. Your prayer's primary purpose is to magnify the name of the Lord. May your Father in heaven be magnified in every circumstance. As we pray and we go to the Father and we pray our prayers, the ones that really concern us, if the glory of God is our primary motivation, it might sound like this. Father in heaven, please, Lord, be magnified in every circumstance of my life. In my pain, may it be your name. In my sorrow, may your name be magnified. Great In my victories, Lord, may I give praise to you. In my defeats, may I know, may I say that I trust in your holy name to get me through this trouble. Martin Lloyd-Jones writes this, Man is at his greatest and at his highest when he is on his knees and he comes face to face with God. Man is at his highest and his greatest when he is on his knees and he comes face to face with God. When we come to the Father praying, and we long for intimacy, the reality of who he is becomes evident to us, doesn't it? We come longing for intimacy, and we come in this way, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. When the reality of who he is becomes evident to us, we become struck with awe as we fall to our faces in wonderment. And we wonder this, don't we? We wonder how the glorious God of heaven desires to commune with the likes of me. This holy and perfect God desires to be a father to me. And he longs to commune with me and have intimacy intimacy with me. And in that, I am on my face in awe. When we pray that God's name be hallowed, we are saying that we desire His character. God's name and His nature are synonymous. They, 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 they go together. When you say His name, it's His nature you're proclaiming. You see, in Exodus 34, there's Moses. And here comes the Lord. The Lord descended in the cloud and He stood with him there, and proclaimed the name of the Lord. He proclaimed his own name. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed this, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation." God's name, when we call upon His name, we get a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, intimacy. But make no provision for this thought. Make make this not leave your head that He is holy God. That he is the forgiver of iniquity and transgression and sin, but he will by no means clear the guilty. He is not a wishy washy father. He's not the grandfather in heaven. I suppose you guys probably have had grandparents where, you know, mom and dad say this, this, and this, and this is the rule. And you go to grandma and grandpa's house. Grandma and grandpa. They kind of like spoil me and they let me do what I want and they get me all riled up and then they send me home to my mom, <laughs> right? And they send us home to mom and dad. And we like, we want to sit on grandpa's lap. We want to sit on grandma's lap because, you know, they're going to give us what we want. They're going to make us happy. They're going to, they're going to, to let us get away with the things we could never get away with at home, right? We need to make no mistake that God is holy. He is our Father and longs for us to come to Him in intimacy, but He is a holy God. Our first petition in prayer's kingdom, people, is may your name and your character be magnified in the world, in my life, and in my church, and in my work, and in my government, and in my heart. This is posture and purpose number one, the glory of God verse 10, your kingdom come. Prayer often misses the mark because we can't get past ourselves. We pray as though there's nothing outside of our childish emotions, our feelings, and what we want. I hear the complaints of many Christians about the concerns they have over the faults in the world's kingdom. Most of those concerns are really couched in selfishness. I don't like that this political party, whatever it is, stomps on my sensibilities of what it means to be an American. I pray that I could be ruled by someone that considers my sentiments, my hardships, my ideologies. While we do have a responsibility to pray for our families, to pray for our missionaries, church leaders, government leaders, bosses, subordinates, these prayers should be that through them, God's kingdom purposes would be realized. See, I know what everyone is against. I hear that loud and clear. I know what people are against. But what are you for? What is it that you're for? What are you about? We just sang in that song Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's what we're for. Right, And as we come to prayer, we're for God's kingdom purposes, for His glory, for His kingdom purposes, for His program, for His plan to come to fruition through people, through our government, through whoever it is that we are praying for. Our first petition is, God, may your purpose be realized. That is your glory. And our second petition, according to the model prayer, is may your program be realized. Your kingdom come. May your program be the one that comes to fruition. May it be your program that I pray according to. The act of prayer is a kingdom as a kingdom of God person. Before it's externalized, it is the kingdom realized internally. Do you want to realize the kingdom of God internally? Where do you realize the kingdom of God? Where do you find it? I would say this, you find it on your knees. You find the kingdom of God on your knees, where the kingdom of God is realized in your life internally. And then your prayers for what is external, what is outside of you, is praying for the kingdom to come. When you are in Christ Jesus, has the kingdom not come? Has the kingdom of God not already come? The kingdom of God has already come. The kingdom of God has come to you. You are a kingdom person taken from the kingdoms of the world and made a kingdom of God person. Where will you find the kingdom of God? Where will the kingdom of God be realized in your life and in your neighborhood and in your workplace? It will be realized when you're on your knees and the internalized kingdom becomes the prayer of your heart to the external world. The act of prayer in a kingdom of God person before it's externalized, it is the kingdom realized internally. As we come to the Father in prayer, the kingdom purpose is realized in us. Prayer is the posture that says this, God, your glory is my purpose. Your kingdom purpose is the reality of my purpose. It is your glory that is my purpose. The kingdom reality is alive in me, Father, as we come to pray. Your kingdom program has come to me. Father, I have become an instrument for your purpose and for your program. King Jesus reigns in my life. So my prayer is is that kingdom reality would expand. Kingdom reality would expand. In the first place is in my home, in my family, in my neighbors, in my church, in my government. That the kingdom of God would expand to those who hate me, to those who are opposed to me. My prayer, Lord, is that the kingdom of God would come. Your kingdom come. Come to the life of my neighbor and save him. Make him a kingdom person. Make him so that he seeks first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. My prayer is that we say, may the rule and reign of Christ become more and more evident. I think sometimes we don't even really get this with all the stuff that goes on outside of us, we don't get this, that Christ is ruling and reigning right now. Jesus Christ is the King of kings and the Lord of lords reigning from heaven. He is the King. I think sometimes we don't realize that. And I wonder if maybe we don't pray as we should because something else is king. Maybe we don't pray as much because I'm king. Maybe I don't go to the king in prayer because some sort of desire that I have is actually king in my life. It's what rules and reign. Maybe money's my king. Maybe being liked is my king. Whatever it might be. Maybe having think people admire me is my king. Maybe we don't go to prayer to the throne of God to pray because we really don't want to relinquish our own throne. See, the greatest act, I believe, of kindness that you can do for a brother or a sister in the Lord is to pray his kingdom come. It is a great act of love and kindness to pray that the kingdom become reality in your brother and sister's life the reality of Christ's rule? Would it become more evident in their life? We don't pray often because I think we want to still be king or queen. Timothy Keller's wife, who was suffering from illness as well as Timothy was at the time, said, you know, Tim, if we don't pray, we're never going to make it. She says, if the doctor prescribed a pill and he said to you, Tim, you must take it every day. If you miss it, even once you will die. Would you ever be too busy to take it? Would you ever just not feel like it? If we don't pray, Tim, we're never going to make it. If the kingdom of God is to become a reality for our unbelieving friends and our family and our neighbors... If the kingdom is ever going to be a reality in their life, they're never going to make it if we don't pray. God says, my kingdom purposes are contingent on this one thing. Ask me. Ask me. Ask of me is the condition he puts for the very advance of his cause. Ask of me. Why are we too busy? Why are we waiting and trusting someone else to pray the kingdom would come to them? I say those that you are connected with, I am not. The kingdom will never come to them because I won't pray for them. You need to pray for them. You need to pray. Kingdom, God, come. Come to them. Ask of Him. God's purpose, His glory is the reality of prayer. God's program, His kingdom is realized through prayer. The third petition, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's plan accomplished through prayer. When we pray your will be done, the first thing that we're doing is this. Sometimes we pray, we pray your will be done sort of lazily, I think. Kind of defeated. Well, will God will happen however it will happen, so your will be done. I don't really, I'm not lined up with that, but I pray whatever, your will be done. But when we pray your will be done, the first thing we are doing really is praying that God's will would become ours. That God's will would become our will. When we pray this here, your kingdom come, your will be done. My will become his will. His will become my will. That's what we're really praying. But sometimes when we pray, thy will be done, we do it out of resignation. Of course, his will be done. Who can resist him? And then we pray out of some sort of resigned obedience, right? And it may be better than those who don't offer any petitions at all, but they don't offer any at all because they don't think it matters and they don't think that He is the sovereign God, but we think He's the sovereign God and so we just don't pay it much atti- uh, attention and we do it out of resigned obedience saying, well, of course, your will be done. And we mean that for the world, but we don't mean it for us. You know, I was thinking how you know, John in, the, in, the, in Revelation, You know, he says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And I often say when I wake up in the morning, it's, I woke up in the Jeff this morning, right? I woke up in the flesh, and the first thing I think about when my feet hit the floor is my will be done. Right? I want my will to be done. But when we pray, what we're saying is, God, your will, make my will yours. Make your will become part of who I am make me willing not out of resigned obedience but out of love and respect for who he is and what he's done his will be done God's will on earth must be asked for in prayer is your will surrendered to the will of God such that you only and always do His will without hesitation. I'm saying this, brothers, because I know the answer and sisters to that question. Is your will surrendered to the will of God such that you only and always do His will without hesitation, without resistance, and without just resignation? Say no. I think we all need to pray that prayer. Thy will be done. My will. Make your will mine. When we rightly pray, Thy will be done, it's a prayer that comes from faith, isn't it? Thy will be done, prayed according to the word of God here, is a prayer of faith. It's a prayer that says, I trust your will. Father, whatever it is you will to happen, I believe it. I'm on your program. I want to be in your plan, in your will, and do it your way. It's a prayer of faith, not a prayer of resignation. It's a prayer of faith. Thy will be done. Do we believe that God's will is perfect and right and true? That His nature and His character, no matter how it turns out for us in our circumstances, that is the will of God and it's good. That's what we're saying by faith. I know this is rough for me, but it's good because it is the will of God. It is the will of God in Christ Jesus that I suffer whatever it is that I'm suffering. It's the will of God and it is good. God, make your will my will. Help me to trust that what you're doing according to your will, help me trust in that. Help me have the faith to believe that that the all-knowing, all-present God is always the always, always good God. That He is always good. That His purposes are good and true. I believe that, God. I believe that if God be willing, He can accomplish anything that I ask of Him. If it is indeed according to his will, you see, <laughs> when I ask of him something and I, and I trust by faith that he can do whatever it is that I ask. If I ask according to his will, if my will has been made willing and lined up with his, I know that what I ask for sure will be accomplished. This petition might sound something like this. Father, I trust your purposes. I trust your plans. I surrender myself to your will and to your program. Make your purposes mine. Accomplish on earth that which you are in heaven. Accomplish on earth. Bring the kingdom to bear. Bring your will to bear on earth as it is in heaven. And how does, how does, how does God bring his kingdom to bear? on earth from heaven. As we pray to him, what are you but instruments of the kingdom of God? Instruments for his use, to bring about the kingdom. God, if if our prayers are lined up with his, right, and we say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, for the obedient child of God doing what He's called. You are accomplishing the kingdom of God on earth as you obey Him, as you align yourself to His will and His purposes. The kingdom of God is coming to bear in your workplace as you proclaim the gospel truth of Jesus Christ to your your co-workers. The Lord's anointed even in Psalm 2. Why don't we turn there? Because I think it's probably good just to read the whole psalm. Uh, in Psalm 2, the Lord's anointed king is told, commanded to ask. He's commanded to ask this kingdom reality on earth as it is in heaven. This The Psalms is, is the great prayer book of our great king. Throughout the scriptures, you'll see Jesus when he prays. What is he praying? He's praying the psalm. And when you read the psalms, you you hear the voice of the Lord Jesus praying to the Father in heaven to bring his kingdom to bear. But let's read the whole psalm. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves... The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Listen to verse 8. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now therefore, O kings, be wise, be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the sun, lest he be angry, and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. If the Lord says to his anointed, Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage. Do we want the kingdom of God to come? Ask of him. It's what the scriptures clearly say, even to, from our Lord Jesus Christ, he's commanded of the Father. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage. We want the kingdom to advance. Ask of me. That's the condition. Ask of me. That's the condition for the kingdom of God to be realized. Even in our our lives internally and personally, ask of him. Externally, ask of him. But why do we give so little attention to prayer? Why do we give so little attention to it? It seems like the easiest thing to do. I will tell you this. I'll tell you one of the things, and I need to overcome this by God's grace. I know that he will make me to overcome this. So this is just a confession of my own fault. Sometimes to carve away time just to pray seems to my sensibilities that I'm being lazy. Seems that I'm being neglectful. What did you do today? I spent three hours in prayer. Well, you probably should have been doing this, 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 and this. What a waste of time. That's the internal voice. That's the, that's the voice, the internal voice that I hear. It's actually the voice of the enemy. I know it is the enemy speaking and saying, you're wasting your time. It seems quite clear from the scriptures that though prayer is like the number one priority. When Paul writes to the Thessalonians and he says, pray without ceasing. Without ceasing. Another thing about prayer is it's hard work, believe it or not. It is hard work. Prayer is work. Prayer is very hard work. It takes discipline. It takes discipline to concentrate long enough not to let your mind wander off into so many millions of things about like what you're going to cook for dinner and you know all these other things, maybe these plans that you have for the weekend, plans for vacation, and all of a sudden you're off in la-la land and you aren't praying at all, right? Prayer is hard work. Prayer is a discipline that takes a lot of hard work. But the will of God for us. Think about this. What is the will of God for you? In 1 Thessalonians it says, it says to rejoice always, to pray without ceasing, to give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do you want to be in the will of God? Pray. Give thanks, rejoice in all things. Pray. Pray without ceasing. Do you want to be in the will of God? This has been super convicting for me as I was saying that sometimes I neglect it thinking that it's not work, that it's not worthy of of carving out that time when I could be doing X, Y, Z, whatever it is. But it is the will of God that we pray. It is God's will for us. So when you say thy will be done, And we are in prayer on our knees. We are in the will of God.